Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you can get podcasts. Jamie's Log, Progressive, The Harrington's Backyard, Day 4, 2.18 a.m. I've been camping outside the Harrington house for four days now, proving that Progressive has 24-7 protection. Mr. Harrington says I don't need to do this, since Progressive protects 24-7 is a pretty easy concept to grasp, but I'm going to stay and prove my point. Besides, there's a big tree branch over the roof, and I think it's planning something. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Stacking the box, I'm Matt Verderam alongside Josh Hill, and we are down to the final four teams in the NFL. And frankly, who didn't see Jacksonville, Philadelphia, and Minnesota being three of them? And really, who didn't see New England being, of course, one of them for the seventh straight year? So, Divisional Weekend, we always talk about it as being the best weekend of the NFL year. And you know what? Through the first three games, it was okay. It was kind of ho-hum, not bad. But that game between Minnesota and New Orleans absolutely made it the weekend of the year. Josh, you're from Minnesota, although you don't root for the Vikings. Uh, what did you take away from the weekend? Uh, well, we'll address Minnesota in depth in a minute here. But just overall, getting to your point, that was the best weekend of football all year. Because you go back to the Saturday game, too, uh, with uh, Atlanta and Philadelphia. That one comes down to uh, you know a goal line stand, essentially, by the Eagles, which, nice play calling, Steve Sarkeesian. Good to see he's coming back next year. Enjoy that, Falcons fans. But that comes down to the last drive of the game. You've got the Jaguars game, which, you know, they're, they're beating the life out of Pittsburgh the entire game. Yet, for some reason, Pittsburgh's sticking around. They're in it right to the very end. Maybe some play calls are a little bit different there towards, you know, the last five minutes. We're looking at a different, you know, championship weekend. Not the case. Todd Haley doesn't know how to manage fourth and short, so we're we're dealing with Jacksonville and championship game. But that one came down to the final play. You will, I mean, Pittsburgh scored on the final play of the game, and then of course Minnesota, which was one of the most incredible finishes to a football game I've ever seen, and it's hands down the best Minnesota sports moment in the last twenty five years since the the Twins won the World Series in nineteen ninety one. Hands down. Every single thing that has happened to the Minnesota sports franchises, not just the Vikings, but the Timberwolves, the Wild, the Twins, the Lynx are the only good thing in Minnesota. That is what Minnesota fans cling to is the Lynx. They're the dynasty. Now the Vikings have finally given people some hope. They still have a couple of games they need to win. They need to beat Philadelphia, which we can talk about that a little bit later. And then, of course, they're probably going to get New England in the Super Bowl if they play there. Right now, it reminded me a lot of in 2003 when the Buccaneers were in Philadelphia for the NFC Championship game. And Rondé Barber intercepted Donovan McNabb, took it to the house. That was it. Bucks are going to the Super Bowl. It was, it was euphoric. It was cathartic. And it was, it's more remembered than the Super Bowl is to a lot of Buccaneers fans just because there was so much angst going into that. They couldn't beat Philadelphia before that. All of those good Tony Dungy teams, the defense was great, couldn't get anywhere. The 99 NFC Championship game. All of that came back in that Rondé Barber return. And the Stephon Diggs catch, I can't express to you how much that wasn't supposed to happen to Minnesota sports. But that, the sound of the crowd going nuts 
as he crosses the end zone into the the goal end of the end zone. That is the sound of the 98 championship game, the 2001 championship game, the 2009 championship game, all of the downs that Vikings fans have had that just melted away. And that it was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I was tweeting during the game. I said, you know, the Vikings are basically the chiefs of the NFC. And in other words, you know, they're good. They're always competitive. They'll get to a certain point in the playoffs, but then they'll find a way to break your heart. And we watched the game from the fan side of the office, mm-hmm. you know, in, in real time. And the second the Saints scored to make it 17-7, start saying, okay, they're, they're going to blow it. The Vikings are going to find some way to lose. And I was convinced of that all the way through, right up until uh, Stephon Diggs made that play. And look, to me, uh, forever the GOAT, uh, you know, for so many. And, and, you know, unfortunately, no matter how good of a player you are, and he's been very good for them as a rookie, you're always remembered for that moment, for that second in time. Uh, and, you know, arguably, maybe rightfully so. Th- that's your season. You've got to make a better play than that. And mm-hmm. as great as the play was on Minnesota's end, it was every bit as bad on the Saints. They have no timeouts. That ball's caught about five seconds left. If you just tackle him, the game is over. The Minnesota has no chance to spike the ball. Uh, you know, if nothing else, force him out of bounds, make them kick a you know, 55-yard field goal. Instead, Diggs scores. And now Minnesota has to do something that's very difficult. They've got to come down from that high, go on the road, and get ready for this game against Philadelphia. It, it, that wasn't the Super Bowl. It can't be the Super mm-hmm. Bowl for them. And they're going to play a very good Eagles team that can get a lot of pressure. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your dog. Check front door, check window, check other window. Rest chin on ground, look into distance. Bark for no reason. Check front door, check window, check other window. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Chase shiny ball, lose shiny ball, find shiny ball, eat shiny ball. Get coverage for your pets with any auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with a purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. So look for that to be a very intriguing defensive game. But, hey, for right now, if you're a Minnesota fan, no matter what happens, enjoy it. That is one of the greatest moments you'll ever live through as a sports fan, uh, and it happened for your team. So glad for them. Brutal for the Saints. The Saints would have been favorites in, in Philly, and Drew Brees would have been looking at perhaps uh, another trip to the Super Bowl. But it goes for naught uh, on, on one of the more historic plays we've seen. It, it was incredible. And you, you look at the dynamics of that play, it is all of the awful things that have ever happened to Minnesota sports compounding into one moment. The only reason that play happened is because Case Keenum threw the ball too high. He didn't throw a good pass. He threw a sideline pass that was too high. Stephon Diggs doesn't have to leap up and try to get that catch. He's not, you know, he's going to get hit. And I think that's what Marcus Williams was thinking. Because you look at the play. And, you know, everybody, something that's good that's come out of this, too, is, you know, remember a couple years ago in the NFC Championship game when, uh, what's his name, Uh, Kenny Williams' kid, uh, I forget his name. What team? Uh, The 49ers. He muffed muffed the punt. uh, Kyle Williams Williams muffed that punt. They, They lose. Giants go to the Super Bowl. And he is just getting death threats on Twitter. He's getting eviscerated. You look at the reaction to Saints fans. I'm sure there's been some pretty nasty things said. You know, you always get the buffoon who's, trying to be a tough guy and that there's been a lot of love for Marcus Williams, which has been a a nice thing billboard, you know, Steve Gleason came out and a had a hilarious tweet about how the end of the game couldn't make him. He couldn't move after the end of the game, which hilarious Steve Gleason. And then he came out and said, look, he made a play that I would have made too. exactly how I saw it. So you, you talk about being the flip side of history. 
the Saints fans' reaction to Marcus Williams, everybody's talking about Vikings fans being up in arms, and all, which is great because it's euphoric, it's cathartic. Saints fans have reacted in a way I haven't seen football fans react to something so heartbreaking and crushing before. They're embracing this kid. So, you know, you want to talk about progress in the game, progress in society and the country. I think that's, you know, a good example of that. But, yeah, that, that end of the Vikings game, like, I don't— that's oh, I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just so incredible. Vikings fans are going to be a hot, on a high for that for years to come. I mean, obviously they want to win the Super Bowl, but that is, I'm tr- I was trying to think this morning, what is the most iconic moment in Vikings franchise history for a franchise that has never won the Super Bowl, who have had Randy Moss, a lot of good players come through. Is there an iconic moment for the Vikings franchise that fans can go, that I remember where I was when that happened, and I think that that's going to be that new moment for these guys. I and you know, I'll wrap it up with this and hand it back over to you. But it reminded me when it happened, we were all sitting here in the office, and I was like, Brett Favre to Greg Lewis a couple of years ago in the back of the end zone. That was a regular season game, Hail Mary pass into the back of the end zone. Greg Lewis gets it, Vikings are off, and that was 2009, a season that ended in New Orleans against the Saints. So it's just, I, you know, I, I was talking, I called my dad, I pulled a Vertoram after this, and I called my dad. And I said, did you watch the game? And he said, and this is this, if you don't know Vikings fans and you don't know the pain that led up to this play and why they're so into it, he said, I turned off the TV and I went upstairs to shave before I went to bed because I couldn't do it again. I couldn't watch him lose to the Saints again. I couldn't watch him lose another season this way. I couldn't do it. And for some reason, he turned the radio on in the bathroom right, before, right when he was shaving and heard Paul Allen's incredible call and rushed to the TV and everything. But that is Vikings fans' pain right there. They couldn't do it again. And they don't have to. So your dad's very lucky he didn't shave half his face off. <laughs> yeah. like, if, well, that, I, if I was me and I heard that, I would have like put the razor straight across. I wouldn't have cared either at that point. Um, well, good on them. I'm, I'm glad for Minnesota. I think unless you're a Saints fan, you have to be. That was one of the great moments in NFL history. First time in NFL history there was a walk off touchdown mm-hmm. in a playoff game. Think about that. That's pretty wild. Now, on the other side of the coin. I don't think there's a ton to get into on Saturday. Look, Tennessee got rolled by New England. We expected that to happen. There's no reason to dive deep into it. Uh, you know, Tennessee actually was leading 7 nothing after the first quarter, and then New England scored 21 uh, in the second, scored 35 unanswered total, and then, and then you know, Tennessee capped it, capped it with a touchdown at the end. So 35-14. We'll get to Mike Malarkey getting fired here in a second. But, you know, New England moves on. No crazy stuff there. The only thing that's crazy is this is the seventh consecutive AFC title game for New Jeez. England. Extending its own record. Unbelievable. The 12th in the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era. Not bad. Hey, not bad. Um, there are teams, I mean, geez, the Houston Texans have never even been to one, right? So the, the Chiefs have been to one since 1969. So, you know, New England, you're fine. <laughs> uh, and then Atlanta, Philadelphia. Uh, kind of an ugly game, a weird game. I thought Atlanta would win, but I thought it'd be close. It turns out goal line stand at the end makes a difference. Philadelphia holds on. Nick Foles wasn't great, was rough early, but able to win the game 23 of 30 for 246 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. So he walks out of there with a win. Now the Eagles host the NFC title game, and they try to win their first Super Bowl in NFL history. NFL history, obviously in NFL history. They try to win their first Super Bowl, first championship since yeah. Super Bowl era in 1960, the last time uh, they won a title. So but what I want to get to quickly is the other game on Sunday, Jacksonville. If you had told me the Steelers scored 42 points in this game, I would have said, wow, Jacksonville really got hammered. Jacksonville wins 45-42, a wild game, 38 points scored alone in the fourth quarter. 
And Jacksonville we'll get to in a minute here as we preview that ASU title game. But Pittsburgh, mm. 13 and 3 all year long. And they go home losing twice to the Jags at home this year. Of course, week five the other time. How do they move forward? Do they do they you know they're not gonna fire Mike Tomlin? That's not what they do. No. Like what what do the Steelers do now to kind of get going again because they had a great year but they don't even win one playoff game they fall short yeah i mean i wrote about it on on sunday after it happened for fan sided three things that the sealers needed to do and the number one thing was get rid of todd haley and his contract's up i don't think he's going to be back i don't think anything official has come out about that but it's pretty much assumed that he's not going to come back especially when you have the best running back in the world in Le'Veon bell and you're not going to use him on fourth and short situations what what the hell? Like, what are you thinking? Like, I don't know. There's nothing else to say to it. Todd Haley, the, the, some of the calls that he made, people want to say, oh, yeah, the Steelers got down early to the Jaguars, and that's what it did. They were down early at home in the AFC Divisional round to the Jaguar, to Blake Bortles. That is not a detriment. It's not like, oh, man, wow, I can't believe the 85 Bears rolled out there and you know stopped Ben Roethlisberger. The Steelers scored 42 points. So Todd Haley... You need something new there on offense. I think you need to eventually find Ben Roethlisberger's successor, not his replacement, but there were some throws that he was making. There were some times in that game where it was like, oh, man. He made a couple of good touchdown throws, kept them in the game. But for most of Sunday, we were watching that game in the office, and nine times out of ten when Roethlisberger dropped back to throw the ball, it ended with one of us going, oh, man. I can't believe he did that. And, you know, you talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and you, and you pinpointed it. You know, there was a drop-off with Peyton Manning in the year that the Broncos won the Super Bowl where everybody was saying, look at his arm strength. And it was not arm strength. It was he was throwing it with everything he had because he was shot. Roethlisberger, I think, is getting to that point where I don't know how far he can take this team. Right now, he can't take them past Jacksonville in the second round of the playoffs when you're hosting. And that's not good. So move on from Haley. I think you can do that. Maybe that's coupled with doing something with Roethlisberger. And, you know, 42 points to the Jaguars. Please note, Jaguars fans, I'm on your side. But stop saying 42 points to Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles did not score 42 points in, or 40, 45 points in that game. Okay? He scored one touchdown. The defense scored one. Leonard Fournette carried that team on their back. TJ Yeldon did some stuff. Stop with the Blake Bortles thing. Bortles, Bortles did what he had to do. He didn't turn the ball over. Okay, he threw for 214 yards on 14 to 26. I mean, let's not go yeah. crazy over what Blake Bortles did. Like you said, they ran the ball. They, they ran for four touchdowns, and they had a, a scoop and score touchdown. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of their touchdowns was set up by an interception, either right inside or right outside of the red zone yeah. uh, by Miles Jack. So, look, for me, I thought Roethlisberger got much better as the year went on. Um, really turned it around right after that Jacksonville game. They went to Kansas City. Um, that being said, right before the game started, we were talking, and I said, if he has to throw the ball 50 times this game, they're losing. Like, they need to run the ball. And what do they do? Their first possession, three throws. Three and out, punt the ball away. Le'Veon Bell ends up with 16 carries in the game, 67 yards and a touchdown. And, look, you could argue that by the time it was 28-7, they had to throw fine. But they, they never should have got to that point. They didn't run the ball. When they were running the ball between the tackles, they were very successful. Then they tried to pitch it outside on fourth and a foot, and, he, and, and Bell got thrown for like a four or five yard loss. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. You have Ben Roethlisberger as your quarterback. His nickname is Big Ben. Maybe you ought to just sneak it. The damn guy's 6'5", 240. If he can't get a foot behind that offensive line, you should quit. Yeah. And then they did it again. 
Later in the game, I can't remember if it was the third or fourth quarter, they had the ball around right on the edge of field goal range. They went it was the fourth it. quarter. And, and so they, you know, they, they threw the ball. And to be fair to Roethlisberger, it was a good throw. You know, they, they ended up dropping mm-hmm. and couldn't hold on. But my God, how dumb are you? Just run forward, either with Bell or Roethlisberger. Look, either way, I would. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. If they ran the ball, Bellamy didn't get it. Fine. You've got to run the ball there. Mm-hmm. My bigger problem with Pittsburgh right now is the lack of accountability. Yeah. That goes on there. It, look, that roster is ridiculous. The fact that team hasn't been to a Super Bowl since Super Bowl 45 is nuts. I know New England's great, but come on. You've got a Hall of Fame quarterback. You've got a Hall of Fame level running back. You've got a Hall of Fame receiver. You've got an electrifying rookie receiver. Martavis Bryant, who's very talented, is your third receiver. You've got one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You led the league in sacks this year, and you can't win a playoff game. And this has not been a you – know, look, the, the Steelers have won some playoff games in the past and won a couple last year before losing the AFC title game. But they have a pattern of just having these meltdowns. And there's too much of it. Last year after they beat the Chiefs, there's that Antonio Brown Facebook Live thing going on in the locker room. Then after this game, Roethlisberger, somebody asked him, why didn't you sneak the ball? He said, well, I'm not allowed to change the play. Basically throwing his coaches under the bus. You're going to tell me that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have the ability to audible? Come on. There's no way. And even if that's the case, you're, you're, a, you're a Hall of Fame quarterback. Audible at the line of scrimmage. Audible in the huddle. That, that's insanity. Okay? Stop pinning it on everybody else. And Roethlisberger's a history of that. And I like Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. I think he's a great player. Stop always pinning everything on everybody. And by the way, Mike Mitchell, shut up and just play football. <laughs> yeah, there are reports coming out that he was taunting the Jaguars for the game. He's had a history of being a dirty player. And you know what? They took it to him in a big way. Quite honestly, Mike Mitchell blows. Like, if Mike Mitchell was Harrison Smith or something, you'd put up with yeah. it. Mike Mitchell's going to get cut this year, or at least he should. Um, but the Steelers, it's got to stop. And it, it, to me, it starts with Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's got to set a better tone for that locker room. You know, even even uh, on Tuesday morning, he was talking to the press, and Aditi Kinkawala of the NFL Network was tweeting out that he's basically saying, like, hey, look, you know, if we invite drama, then that's the way it is. And, and we'll deal with that. Well, no. You just shouldn't invite drama. How, yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. Just stop with the garbage and the nonsense. They were so focused on beating New England next week, they forgot they had a game this week. Stop worrying about James Harrison. Worry about a football game. And, and now Pittsburgh goes home. That was a golden opportunity. Mm-hmm. They were as healthy as could be. They had everybody ready to go. They played Blake Bortles at home with a week off. And they gave up 45 points in that game. They didn't lose because Jacksonville's defense was great. The Steelers had almost 600 yards of offense. They lost that game because they were a train wreck defensively and because situational football on the offensive side was a, was a complete mess. Yeah, that's the thing. That, that's what kills me about this. You have two weeks to prepare for Jacksonville because that Cleveland game, let's be real, they didn't prepare for that. You got two weeks to prepare for Jacksonville, okay? Are you kidding me? That's like, come on. Blake Bortles is not some kind of Joe Montana quarterback. He's not going to go in there and find ways to beat you. How many times have you said it and everybody else has said it? 
what New England's going to do next week is they're going to stack the box. They're going to stop Leonard Fournette from being a factor. And they're going to say, beat us, Blake Bortles. It's not rocket science. You don't need to reinvent the wheel to beat the Jaguars. They have Blake Bortles as their quarterback. And the thing that frustrates me most about this is the more he keeps winning, the more we have to hear about Blake Bortles is getting into the AFC Championship game. Blake Bortles this, Blake Bortles that. He's essentially, if you had a Frankenstein monster of Mark Sanchez and Joe Flacco, he is Blake Bortles because Bortles is going to get paid. Congratulations, Jacksonville. Like, that is the sour grapes of making it to the AFC Championship game. You are tethered for the next five years to Blake Bortles because he's going to get paid, he's going to get a giant contract, and he's going to do what Joe Flacco has done, which is cash in in one big season and then check down for the rest of your life or, you know, rely on Leonard Fournette or whoever else they're going to bring in to be an offensive weapon. So as happy as I want to be for the Jaguars and Jaguars defense, the fans— it's phenomenal. You know, you want to talk about Vikings fans going nuts at the end of that game. The Jaguars getting the AFC Championship game has seemed like that moment that Vikings fans had sustained across an entire game. Like, that was incredible. So, Jaguars fans, you should be happy. Not so much about, you know, Blake Bortles coming in there. And, and the Steelers, like you said, Mike Tomlin's got to do something. You, you were, you're preparing for Blake Bortles and you didn't do it right? Come on. I just, the Steelers are too fast and loose sometimes. There's no... You know, with New England, you never hear all this this bunk come out of New no. England. New England just focuses. They they plow some opponent next week and the next week and the next week. They just they they roll. There's none of this nonsense. And yeah, the ESPN story came out about Brady and Belichick, and we see how much how much that affected them because <laughs> they went out and just eviscerated Tennessee <laughs> like they weren't even on the field. Like, and you know what? This week, Jacksonville's already talking. You got Jalen Ramsey yeah. out there, and Jalen Ramsey's a hell of a player, by the way. Unbelievable. Comes out. Basically, we're going to the Super Bowl. You know, we're going to beat New England. You, I can guarantee you not one word is coming out of New England about that. Mm-mm. Nobody cares. And you know what? I'll tell you right now, they're not giving up 45 points to Jacksonville. There is no way. And Pittsburgh has better defensive personnel than New England does. Okay, New England's got the corners, but nothing else. They have nobody in that front seven. And you watch. You watch how that game plays out. Pittsburgh was so busy thinking about New England and so busy worrying about business and booming and Mike Mitchell thinking about how he can talk crap and everything. Where's it, where does it get him? The Steelers haven't been to the Super Bowl in years. Now, look, you can say, well, Tomlin's been to two. They've won one. Fine. Tomlin's had a very successful tenure with them. But at some point, like, it's the law of diminishing returns. They also went 13-3 this year, and give them credit. They also have two free wins every year with Cleveland. Cincinnati's awful. Baltimore has no offense. I mean, Pittsburgh should win 12 or 13 games every year, just like New England does with that division. They should win all those games. And by the way, when Cincinnati and Baltimore have been good, the Steelers many times have not won the division. Despite all that talent, they've lost that division. Despite all that talent on that roster, and they almost lost it last year. It took a play at the end of the game on Christmas with Antonio Brown to win it. So if I'm Pittsburgh, and I'll I'll leave it at this, to fix them, uh, I wouldn't fire Tomlin. But I tell him, hey, look, we, we've got to be more buttoned down here, at least to some degree. You've got to fix the Ryan Chazier situation. He's not going to come back and play again, barring a miracle. Hopefully the guy just walks. Uh, They've got, they got to replace him. Yeah. And then offensively, you've know, you got to make sure you, you keep Le'Veon Bell in, in the good graces here. Because if, if you tag him and he really sits out for 10 weeks, that offense is not nearly the same offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have to figure some things out. They're going to have to figure some stuff out. They had a year where almost everything went right for them health-wise, and they ended up losing at home in the Divisional. So uh, it's, it's tough. It's a tough way to go. But moving on, 
Okay, well, let's real quickly touch on some of the coaching news, and we'll get to the games uh, this week, and we'll lengthy preview on both. The Giants, it appears, have zeroed in on, on Pat Shermer to be their head coach. He's currently the Vikings offensive coordinator. The Colts have tabbed Josh McDaniels. Uh, that appears to be official. None of these teams, by the way, can officially announce this mm-hmm. until you know the Vikings and the Pats, in this case, are done playing. Matt Patricia to the Lions, again, can't be official until the Pats are done. Um, the Cardinals, we're still waiting to see where that goes. Uh, it appears John DeFilippo could be a favorite there. He's the quarterback coach in Philadelphia. Um, and then the Titans fired Mike Malarkey, and we're still kind of seeing how that interview process is going to go. But they move on from him only one day after reportedly offering him an extension. So, of those moves, uh, what, are you, what are your takes? What, you, what is your favorite move maybe of the, of the group? Uh, Pat Shermer to the Giants, I think, is – a pretty sneaky good move for New York. Uh, it's not Josh McDaniels. It's not a big, sexy name. So naturally, I don't think the New York media is going to gravitate towards it like they might have if it was McDaniels or somebody like that. But you take a look at Shermer's track record of success with quarterbacks, okay? Not just this year in Minnesota, which is, you know, the recency bias. Let's include that anyways. You got Teddy Bridgewater last year, who was, you know, pretty good as far as like, you know, before he blew his leg out. Looked like he was coming along with Shermer, all that kind of stuff. And then from there, you go into Sam Bradford, who was thrust into a situation in which he had a couple of weeks to learn the playbook, learn the offense, run things. Shermer gets him ready for that, takes everything he was working with with Bridgewater, moves that over to Bradford. And Bradford has one of his best seasons in, of his career, essentially. And then this year, you've got Case Keenum. He takes Keenum from being a guy who was with the Rams, wasn't really that good, comes over, that the, the Stefan Diggs play aside, that's not something Shermer did. His development to get Keenum and the Vikings to the point where they could be in that position is a glowing endorsement of Shermer. And then you go back and look at the other quarterback who's in the NFC Championship game, Nick Foles, has you know Shermer's fingerprints all over him too. So that's what I'm talking about when I say track record of, of success. And that's something, you know, maybe an unpopular opinion here, Josh McDaniels does not have. And that is why I would be hesitant to consider him as much as a lot of these teams are, because it reminds me so much of, on the one hand, you have the Belichick tree, which dies as soon as his leaf falls off of it. You know, you take a look at Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cronell, Eric Mangini, all of these guys. Bill O'Brien's in Houston right now. He's the most successful guy of that bunch. And he picked Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson, the quarterback whisperer. So you take a look at these guys who they've worked with Tom Brady. They're so good. They worked with Tom Brady. They work with a Hall of Fame quarterback. How hard do you think it is to work with him? And how much work do you think that Josh McDaniels actually does? That's not to say that he's not drawn up schemes and the plays and all this kind of stuff. He's doing his job and he's doing enough of it. But everything from that Patriots system indicates that they are just a cog in the bigger machine. They are something unimportant. They are not something that is going to matter in the grander scheme of things. And we and I don't want to harp on his first tenure with um, Denver too much, but maybe that was indicative of the Patriots' way not working other places. So Shermer in New York, I think that they, going Shermer over McDaniels in New York is going to be big time for them. Uh, as far as what Tennessee is going to do, I'm interested in that because it seems like your Chiefs really kind of screwed them on Wild Card Week, and they were expecting to lose. They were going to get rid of McD- or, uh, get rid of Malarkey and maybe go after McDaniel's. Now that's not going to happen. So I don't know. You know, it's always good when the team that beats you in the playoffs 
that came back from an 18-point deficit in the second half is like, our coach is terrible. We're going to fire him. And you, on the other hand, are like, our defensive coordinator, he's fine. I'll take him in place. Oh, the Chiefs. They, yeah. they drive me to oblivion. Anyway, um, okay, so also, by the way, the, uh, the Texans decided to give a five-year extension to, uh, to Bill O'Brien, which I know, I know you're a huge fan of. Yeah, not, not at all. So, you know, <laughs> the Texans, yep. instead of moving on after four and 12 year, decided that Bill O'Brien, who horribly mismanaged the, the quarterback situation with Tom Savage and Deshaun Watson, is the right guy for the next five years to run that franchise. I, I don't get it. I just... Deshaun Watson deserves a really good coach. And instead, uh, he gets O'Brien, who cost him the Seattle game this year, cost him the New England game with dumb decisions, may cost him the first game of the year because they played Tom Savage after they saw both of them for four months next to each other side by side and still thought that Tom Savage was heads and tails the better player until he saw him for 30 minutes in an actual game. Not to mention the fact he had Tom Savage on his roster for four years. Yeah. And still somehow thought that that was the right decision. So Houston, good luck. Well, that's what I'm talking about when it's like this quarterback whisperer. We've talked about it earlier this year. Whose ear has he whispered into? I, th- I, want- I don't want to hear about Tom Brady. Like, yeah, exactly. Tom Brady is a Hall of Fame quarterback. That, that is, it's good that you've worked with him, but it's the same thing. How many backups who've worked under Tom Brady, besides Jimmy Garoppolo, have come out and had good careers? Brian Hoyer, I mean, he's the most successful of that bunch because he gave Cleveland hope for half of a season, and he's actually been pretty decent. But outside of that, Ryan Mallett, whatever. Like, like, come on. I'd like to personally thank Brian Hoyer for the only playoff game <laughs> I've seen the Chiefs win since I was five. Um, look, on the other side of it, though, the Colts and McDaniels, I'll say this. McDaniels had a horrible tenure in Denver, but he's a real young guy. He's 41 years old now. I actually like the hire from the standpoint of if Andrew Luck's healthy, you need to get an offensive mm-hmm. guy in there, and he obviously fits that bill. Okay, If McDaniels works out, he could be a long-term fix for them. Ballard, hopefully, for the Colts, fixes that defense. But look, let's face it. That's a risky move for all parties involved because we don't know if McDaniels is going to be better than he was in Denver. Everybody who's come out of the Belichick tree has been a disaster for the most part. Um and, and if Luck's not healthy, then this whole thing doesn't work, yeah. if, no matter who they hire. So that's a risky hire. Shermer going to the Giants, like he went 10-23 and 23 with the Browns. You adjust that for coaching the Browns. He might as well be a Lombardi, <laughs> you know, 10 wins. I think Shermer's an interesting coach. I wonder if one of the younger Vikings quarterbacks goes there, if Bridgewater goes there, if they move on from Manning, um, and then they go elsewhere with that second pick. That'll be very intriguing to me because Shermer obviously knows all of them, yeah. knows them well. Um, would they would they sign Bridgewater? Would they sign a Case Keenum if he becomes available? Even Bradford, I don't think they would go no. Bradford over the second overall pick there. Um, but I, I like the hires. The only one I just don't get, and of course because I feel this way, he'll probably go on to be Belichick Jr. Matt Patricia, it's nothing personal against them. Look, they've adjusted. They've been very good defensively this year as the year has gone on. But like they were so bad early on, and and I just feel like that's Belichick's defense. You know, Belichick lords over that whole situation. Now, look, mm-hmm. maybe to be fair, maybe Patricia comes out and does a nice job. I give him a lot of credit. They've adjusted well as the year has gone on. Um, and, and he deserves credit for that. He really does. But I'm just curious to see how that works. I, I thought Detroit might go an offensive-minded guy to help, you know, keep the train rolling with Stafford a little bit. 
and then, you know, keep Terrell Austin, but they don't do that. Progressive presents today's to-do list for your cat. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get food. Walk away from food. Move to couch. See human. Give cold shoulder. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Your pet has a very busy schedule, so it's up to you to make sure they're protected. That's why Progressive Car Insurance covers your pets for up to $1,000 if they're ever in a car accident with you. Move to couch. Aggressively clean myself. Take a nap. Meow till I get food. Get coverage for your pets with anti-auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and subject to policy terms. Austin leaves, takes the same job he had in Detroit over in Cincinnati, and now you bring in a defensive guy. We'll see. I'm not burying Patricia. I just, that was the one hire that when it happened, I just kind of felt like, uh, it doesn't really inspire me where the other ones, I kind of, I get where they're going. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. But let's get to the games that are being played this weekend. Obviously, both of them are on Sunday. Jacksonville at New England, 3 Eastern, <laughs> 640 Eastern, the NFC title game, Minnesota at Philadelphia. And Jacksonville, start there, nine and a half point underdogs in New England. Look, I got to be fair. You know, I've been getting killed for two months straight by Duval County on Twitter. In fact, including this morning, I guess one of some tweet I had. I tweeted that Marone and Bortles would be awful. They'd win two games this year. Sometimes, folks, you're wrong. Their defense was great. Hill, you died on that hill earlier. I was wrong. I eat my words. I've been very impressed by them. Uh, but everybody hates me in Jacksonville because I keep picking against them because I don't believe in Bortles. We've gone over this a thousand times. This game, I do think Jacksonville is going to give New England some problems because the defense is awesome. The problem is New England's not Pittsburgh. And Brady is not as great as Roethlisberger as he's not Brady. Mm-hmm. Pittsburgh relies on throwing the ball outside. New England does not. New England has no problem throwing the ball to Deion Lewis and Rex Burkhead. He appears to be healthy for this game. Throwing the ball to Gronkowski. And I think that's going to be the problem is Ramsey and Boye are not going to be able to affect the game nearly as much as they did against Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh also has those longer developing routes down the field that gives Jacksonville time to get home. It's not going to happen with New England. Mm-hmm. New England's going to get rid of the football. So uh, with that, I won't make my pick yet, but that, that's kind of my opening thoughts going through. Yeah, Jacksonville's defense has been the reason that they've been exciting all season long. And, you know, I've, I've, been, on, I've been pro Duval County, Jacksonville Jaguars all year long. And, you know, to piggyback off of you getting some hate, I wrote something on Sunday about how Blake Bortles is essentially Mark Sanchez and Joe Flacco reincarnated into the same body. And I've got Jaguars fans on there dropping fake news at me. It's like, this is, fake news? Come on. Blake Bortles, open your eyes a little bit. He's, this is going to be a reckoning in New England. The only saving grace is that this New England defense isn't as good as some of the other ones have been. This is probably one of the weakest defenses that they'll bring to the Super Bowl. Imagine Bortles going up against any of those other teams. It's not going to be pretty. And he's going up against the weakest of the bunch, and it's still not going to be pretty. Uh, speaking of defenses, though, I think that as far as problems that Jacksonville can give New England— uh, I would pay attention to maybe the edge rush here on defense. You know, Jacksonville, this is something, this is a reason why I kind of liked Jacksonville's matchup against New England. I'm not going to say that I'm going to pick them, but what they can do on defense in the secondary speaks for itself. I think what's a little bit underrated is their edge pressure that they can get on the quarterback. They can, they can get pressure, okay? You go back to that Buffalo game. Granted, it was Buffalo. And granted, it was Tyrod Taylor, but they were smacking him around at certain points in that game. And I feel like if you can get to Brady a couple of different times, as that defense has with other teams this season, they're going to get 
so full of their own swagger and they're going to get so into themselves and that's going to be a motivating factor. You, you know, nobody's giving them a chance to come in here and they can get to Brady, smack them around. That's going to do a lot for their confidence. It's not going to do anything for Blake Bortles on offense, but you know, it's, it's going to help the defense. So I think that this is going to be a closer game than people are thinking. Definitely not going to be a repeat of what we saw in the divisional round, but I think Jacksonville, they're going to hang close specifically because that defense, I think has what it takes to keep them in this game. Defense is going to be a problem for New England. New England is without uh, right tackle Marcus Cannon. Mm-hmm. He's out for the year. He's, he's a very good player, an all-pro level player. Uh, the Pats are going to have to get rid of the ball quickly, and Jacksonville knows that. So that's going to be where the struggle comes in. Now, the flip side of that is, okay, New England has no problem flipping the ball out to Lewis and Burkhead, getting the ball to Gronkowski down the seam. I think, it, you know, look, if, if, if there's one thing we've learned, they will have a good game plan for this. Now, yeah. Jacksonville beat them. Look, defensively, short. Defensively, Jacksonville's really good. The problem is I just can't in any way, shape, or form imagine them getting beat the way Pittsburgh did when Jacksonville ran the ball. Jacksonville Mm -hmm. ran the ball down Pittsburgh's throat. The Pats are going to force Bortles to throw the football. And when he has to against Butler and Gilmore and McCourty, that's tough to see. That's tough to see. I, I really... I don't think it's a blowout. I actually think Jacksonville might cover, but I don't think they're going to win. These two teams haven't played each other in three years. The last time they played uh, was back in 2015, and uh, New England won 51-17. But obviously, it's irrelevant. Most of those guys were on the team. Um, I think, you know, look, New England, they go to the Super Bowl all the time. There's a reason for it. Hey, they're great, and Tom Brady's great. And I've, I just – I know Brady lost to Sanchez in the playoffs once. I, I get that, you, you know. I would be very surprised if the Pats fall in this game. It's at home. They're they're just they're not to be beat there. They're seventeen and three in that building all time in the playoffs, uh, and and they're going to force Bortles to make plays. And if he does, then maybe they could win the game. But it just you know nothing against Mike Tomlin and Roethlisberger because they're a great combo. They're a championship combo. They're not Brady and they're not Belichick. I just don't see it. But I do think Jacksonville hangs in the game. They're also not Bortles and Marone. So, <laughs> yeah, underrated duo. I'm taking, I'm taking New England to win this game. I just don't think Jacksonville has what it takes on offense. Because, like you said a couple of weeks ago, what Belichick does is they will identify one player on your team and say they are not going to be a factor today. And it's pretty easy to pick out who that's going to be on offense for the Jaguars, and it's Leonard Fournette. So, like you said, Putting the ball in the hands of Blake Bortles is a risky proposition at best, and I think that we're going to see it regress back to the mean here. Not that he's done anything particularly special in his first two playoff games for the Jaguars. I think this is the game where the wheels start to fall off, and I ho- hopefully, hopefully the Jaguars do what the Titans did and the Texans were afraid to do and move on from somebody after a successful tenure. The Titans... Looked like they were going to be in a situation where they were going to be like, ah, oh, shucks, man, we have to hang on to Malarkey now because he, you know, we got this far. And they were like, no, we don't. It's for the greater good of the team. Let's get rid of them. Texans couldn't do that. Uh, enjoy Marvin Lewis 2.0 in Houston. Jacksonville, after this game, unless Blake Bortles, even if Blake Bortles was for 400 yards and four touchdowns, don't give him a big contract. It's, it's a flash in the pan. New England's going to win. It's going to be a humbling for everybody in Jacksonville that was talking crap. But that being said... 
I don't think that this is a step back for the Jaguars. Losing to the Patriots in the AFC Championship game is not going to be like the Colts losing in the AFC Championship game to the Patriots. That defense is good. It's under contract for a while. Fix some holes on offense. Doug Marone's a good head coach, and all of a sudden, you've got something special in Jacksonville. So, Jacksonville wins this game. Portals is getting a contract. It's like, it's happening. Don't make okay? it happen. <laughs> um, he may get it now. Uh, but, man, I'll tell you, if they ever got rid of him and got like Kirk Cousins in there or something, oh, that team's man. Super Bowl favorite next year. Absolutely, no question. Um, but, yeah, okay, so we both think New England's going to win. And, and you know what? Look, I, I just want to be like, – Jacksonville loses this game, no matter how it happens. This is a great year if you're oh, a Jaguars yeah. fan. Okay? Like, everybody gets so pissed off at a Duval. Like, I feel like I feel like I have, like, my face on a billboard down there. <laughs> like, what do you want? You know, you have Blake Bortles. It's hard to pick Blake Bortles in, in these settings. Like, I'm always going to go with the better quarterback unless the teams are wildly imbalanced. I'm just going to. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it makes sense. Now, on the other side of the coin, the NFC Championship game, got Case Keenum and Nick Foles, right? So you don't have, like, that Hall of Fame-level quarterback, although mm-hmm. Keenum's been very good this year, give him credit. Um, although he was pretty mundane in the playoff game against yeah. New Orleans. Now, you look at his stats. Oh, he threw 300 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, well, 61 of those yards and a touchdown came on even <laughs> a prayer. Okay? I mean, it was, you know, he, he mostly was ineffective during that game. Um, but I like the way he's played. I like his moxie. Um, and, and I really am impressed by both coaching staffs. So I think they've done a tremendous job in both Philadelphia and Minnesota. Minnesota's favored in this game by three and a half points. Um, so, tough game to pick here. If Philadelphia can get pressure on Keenum, Philadelphia can absolutely win this game. Because Keenum, throughout the year, if you look at his numbers, not great against pressure. On the flip side of that, Minnesota's defense against Foles is, is a nightmare. Like, Foles is going to have a tough time throwing the ball. Now, I said that against Atlanta, and he wasn't great, but he was good enough. Mm-hmm. Can he be good enough again? Minnesota has a tremendous defense. In fact, if we see Jacksonville, Minnesota in the Super Bowl, that, that game is going to be like watching a game from 1993. Yeah. That is going to be a brawl. I would actually love watching that game. That would be awesome. Um, but... I don't know what to say about this game. I, you know, you're from Minnesota. Obviously, I'll, I'll let you have the floor. This, this game, to me, this should be a good, close, physical game where both sides have a legit shot to win. Oh, yeah. You said it at the top of the show. Philadelphia is kind of laying in the weeds here after everything that's happened in Minnesota with Stefan Diggs and all that. Every, the, the high that Vikings fans and basically everybody who covers football is riding on after that incredible finish. The Eagles are almost an afterthought, and they were an afterthought before they even played their game against Atlanta, and they ended up winning that one. If they want a, if they want a chance in this, I think that Philadelphia has to get the lead early, and they can't let the Vikings play from ahead. The reason being that the Vikings' pass protection is a little weird. I don't, I'm not a whole, I'm not confident it can hold up in a sustained game against the pass rush for the Eagles. You know, Jim Schwartz, he's going to look at that. He's going to identify a weakness, and he's going to find a way to get to Case Keenum, which, truthfully, that that Vikings offensive line isn't some historic offensive line. It's not the Great Wall of Dallas or anything like that. There's You can punch a hole in it. I just don't think anybody's figured out how, and that's the key. Because one thing that hasn't happened a lot this year is Case Keenum has not been on his back a lot. And we saw him get punched in the mouth a couple of times against New Orleans, and it threw him off. That first drive after halftime or whatever it was that the Vikings had the ball, and he took a big sack, took him out of field goal range, really kind of changed the tone of that second half for New Orleans. They got to him. They punched him in the mouth. That's something teams haven't been able to do with Case Keenum. And if you can get to a guy like that, it changes things. And Philadelphia needs to be able to recognize that they are in a position that they can win this game. 
they're not going up against a Vikings team that is completely dominant on offense and defense. It's got an all right offense. Stephon Diggs is a star right now. Adam Thielen was the star for the season. They don't have any big playmakers, a lot like Philadelphia's offense. You have Jay Ajahi. You've got Elshon Jeffrey. They don't have a whole lot of playmakers. I think that this is going to be a low-key, very defensive game. You talk about the Jaguars-Vikings Super Bowl would be good. This is going to be, you know, to quote you, a brawl, I think, in Philadelphia. No, so I agree. Uh, for me, when you get games like this, when you get teams that play close to the vast defensive-minded, run the ball third and short, convert there— who makes the big mistake in this game? Who fumbles the ball? Who has a breakdown on special teams? Who throws an interception? Right? And, and also, on top of that, as a second thing to this, who has better field position throughout the game? Yeah. Who's starting at their own 10? Who's starting at the 40? Stuff like that in these games, it matters. Because a lot of times, these teams against those defenses are not going 90 yards. You need to have the ball, you know, at the 35, the 40. Maybe you only have to drive 40 yards and kick a field goal. Maybe you only have to go 60 yards for a touchdown. The team that turns the ball over more in this game is going to lose. I would bet anything on that. You need to be able in this game to protect the ball. Keep Like, this is the kind of game, if it's third and 11, there is nothing wrong with taking a quick little check down, gaining five or six yards, and punting the ball away. You, you do not want to have a spot here where Foles or Keenum tries to fit a ball into coverage and gets picked off and it goes to the house. Because in this game, that's a death sentence. You have to be able to control the other team's starting field position. And a lot of times you do that, obviously, with turnovers and with good special teams play. If Minnesota can avoid turning the ball over, if, it, if, it, if it's even, I think Minnesota wins. I think Minnesota's the better team. If Wentz was in this game, I would take Philly. But he's obviously not with the torn ACL. I think it's going to be phenomenal. I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles win. I think the Eagles are certainly capable of it. But I'm taking Minnesota and I'm taking Philly to cover the three and a half. So I think it's going to be very tight. Uh, and, I think, and I'm happy for whoever wins because the Eagles have never won a Super Bowl, neither of the Vikings. Uh, so I, I, frankly, openly, I'll, I'll be pulling for whoever out of those two teams gets to the Super Bowl if they're playing New England. If they're playing Jacksonville, I wrote on the dog in the fight either way. I, just, I would just like to see somebody new win because that's always exciting and fun. Yeah, it's going to come down to preparation, I think, and how well coached the Vikings are. Coming off of that high of how the, the Minneapolis miracle, as they like as they're calling it now, because um, we talked, you talked about the Steelers thinking about the Patriots too much and losing focus on the Jaguars. I wonder how what that effect is going to have on these guys who've come off such an incredible high, had such a swing of emotions. I mean, in a span of ten seconds, they went from I can't believe we're going home after this. We had such a shot to host the Super Bowl. And then, oh my God, we're on to the next round. So I wonder how Mike Zimmer is going to rein those guys in, how Pat Shermer is going to rein those guys in. And also the Shermer effect, you know, he's, he's leaving. It's not the same thing with like, you know, a college coach leaves before a bowl game and then the team's like, what's the point? You know, it's like, right. what, what kind of effect are these outside factors going to have? Because when you were in a playoff game like this, it blows everything up under the microscope, the little mistakes, the little decisions that are, aren't made. And the outside factors like thinking about the new England too much when you have to beat Jacksonville, thinking about, Holy crap, did you see that highlight against New Orleans the other week when you've got the Eagles defense barking down your throat, coming at you, sacking Case Keenum, picking them off, boxing up digs, taking them out of the game, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I think Minnesota wins. They are the better team. Their defense is the better defense, but I'm with you. It is a 
Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Complete toss-up, and frankly, the Vikings back-to-back weeks are going to play, in my opinion, the best game of the weekend. Oh, no, no question. There's no question. The funny thing was that Vikings Saints game. We're sitting there watching it, and for the first three quarters, it was terrible. I mean, yeah. as far as just being entertaining. You know, Minnesota was just really beating up on New Orleans pretty good. 17 nothing. This game, man, we waited all week for this. Really, this is what it's going to look like? And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, it just complete and utter chaos broke. I think there's 29 points combined between the two teams. Um, I just couldn't have been happier for the Vikings fans. I just yeah. thought it was such a great moment for them. Um, as someone who roots for a team that, that, <laughs> that hits me over the head with an anvil every year, uh, I, I was just really happy for them. So, look, it's going to be very interesting. And, of course, if the Vikings win, we're going to hear all week long for two weeks, really. Oh, boy. What a home field advantage it is for the Vikings. How does that play into it? I got to say, and it will close like, you know, on here, or on this, rather. Um, I don't think it's that big of an advantage. Like, we, we were talking in the office, and you were kind of saying, and I agree with you, that it's an advantage from the standpoint that you get to be at home, you get to sleep in your own bed, you get to kind of have that routine. Um, but I don't think, like, as far as when the game is played, a lot of those seats are sold corporately. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's not like the Viking fans are going to have an opportunity to buy those seats. You know, it's, that's not the way it works. So a lot of those seats are going to be gone to corporations, to raffles, to lottery, stuff like that. I don't think it's going to matter. Maybe there are a little bit more, you know, home fans in that game than there normally would be. But I think ultimately the game itself won't be that effective by it. Plus, don't forget, too, New England's going to be there for a week. It's not like New England's coming in Saturday night for that mm-hmm. game, you know, because like, you normally would. So I don't think it matters. I think it's going to be a really overhyped storyline other than just maybe a little bit of comfort for Minnesota. Yeah. It, yeah. It's the, it comes down to comfort preparation, sleeping in your own bed, driving to the game in your own car, you know, just like you did every Sunday for eight weeks when it was a home game. That, I think, is going to benefit the Vikings big as far as like not, not reading too big into the moment. Because you think about, you know, you're flying to Tampa, you're flying to, you know, in, back in the day, like the Buccaneers did, San Diego to play at Qualcomm, something like that. It, it, it makes the moment so much bigger and you've fantasized about it and romanticized it so much as a kid growing up and playing in high school and college and, you know, Case Keenum playing third string quarterback and all of a sudden you're there, you're in the moment, you're going to the Super Bowl, but you're not on the team bus, you're not on anything, you're driving in your car, you get your wife there, the kid and all that kind of stuff, you're driving from your house, you slept in your own bed the night before, you practice at your own team facility and didn't have to fly in. I think that that's really going to be a benefit and I don't think people, people are going to get so caught up on the whole, oh, they're hosting the Super Bowl for the first time ever. It's a, Look, big deal. We've heard about that for weeks now. It's such a tired narrative. You know, if you were playing a drinking game at this point, and you drank every single time somebody mentioned that, we'd all have alcohol poisoning. Like, it's such a tired narrative at this point that people are going to forget that there is that preparation that is underlying that you're really not going to talk about. But we got to get there first. We got to get through championship weekend. We're, we're set for two really, really great games. We both have the Patriots, and we've both got the Vikings. But yeah, it's, you know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. This is a, a great time of year, and I know you are too. Yeah, you know what? It really is. Uh, this is, as, as a football fan or an analyst, whatever you are, uh, it, it's really 
this is what it's all about. Um, this is this is it. You know, you get to the championship weekend. Two teams are going to be punching their tickets to the Super Bowl, uh, and that's just it's just such an enjoyable uh, time. You know, I'm going through. I don't think there's ever been a time before. Um, and if I'm wrong, feel free to you know tweet me uh, at Matt Verdam. I don't think a team that you know its stadium was hosting the Super Bowl. I don't think they've ever even gotten to the AFC or NFC title games. I, I think the first any of those teams have ever gotten was a divisional round. Um, so the Vikings are the closest anybody's ever come, from what I can tell, unless I'm I'm missing something. Um, so you know, interesting, interesting. I. Like I said, I don't think it makes a huge difference. But, hey, the one thing I do think it helps, and I'll leave it at this, is I do think, you know, a lot of times these teams, especially first-time teams like the Vikings would be, if you go to a city like a Miami or New Orleans or LA, like you're so – you go out, you have a good time, you want to see the sights, you want to see the scene. You're from Minnesota. You're in Minnesota. Like there's no – you know, you're not going anywhere new. So uh, I do think that helps. I think maybe that takes away some of that edge of experience that the Pats would have. That being said – Thank you for listening to another episode of Stacking the Box. I'm Matt Verderam, of course, co-host Josh Hill alongside me. Uh, check out all of our work and all the work done by all the great NFL writers at fansided.com. We have a mock draft up every Wednesday. I have my Stacking the Box column that goes up every Monday. Josh Hill writes tons of stuff every Sunday. Um, so really, you can't miss, whether it's for NFL or any other type of coverage, entertainment or sports, we have it here at Fansided. Uh, but thank you so much for listening. If you're a fan of one of the four teams playing this weekend, good luck. Uh, hopefully you get the job done. And if you're not, if you're like Hill and I, who have nothing but pain uh, with our football teams, well, hopefully you can enjoy the weekend. Uh, it's going to be great. Hopefully we get a couple of really good games. And we will be back on next Monday talking about the two teams in Super Bowl 52. So with that, enjoy the week, enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Something you probably do know. Progressive can not only offer you a great price when you bundle home and auto, they offer you round-the-clock protection. Something you probably don't know? The average garage door is made up of 1.3-millimeter aluminum panels. Something you probably do know? Your neighbor likes to tinker with his dirt bike. Something you probably don't know? A runaway dirt bike can take out your garage door and a good portion of your car bumper. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive and get more than a great price. Get round-the-clock protection. Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.